0: Welcome to Kehillah Netzach Yisrael. welcome to this beautiful building. Lovely to see you here the Kehillah and beyond all our visitors. Lovely to see you here at this special occasion. We know there's a lot of competition. Some people wanted Senegal, some people wanted Synagogue. (laughs) (laughs) Some people, we're going to score lots of goals tonight, right guys? We're into scoring goals, spiritual goals. We've got real goals to connect to the Raboina Shloilong. And those who are here, thank you for coming. It's a real big schuss. What a schuss to have such three Sadiqim, tamde chachomim, who are here with us. We have Rabbi Yaakov Clyde, who's, who's who's taken the crazy decision to come and to live in England. But we are grateful for that Meshagas. And you know, Rabbi Nachman says, whatever it takes to be happy, even stupidities. So, Rabbi Yaakov, that must have been the reason you came here, just for the joke. So, it's good. We're, we're gaining from that simcha that uh, you're giving us this evening. This evening is going to be it's a joint event with Kehilas Netzach Yisrael. That's the shul here. And anybody who lives in Edra or nearby, please come and visit us on a Shabbos or during the week or for some shurim. Everybody is welcome. And also, joined together with Eilecha and Shema Bani. Three wonderful organizations and Eilecha, and, uh, which I'll leave it to Rabbi Yacob to talk about Eilecha. So, thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, for a spiritual treat, an uplifting experience, a connection of the soul, connecting to the Rabbanah I'll pass on to Rabbi Yaakov. Over to you.
1: The first thing is just, if I can express gratitude, on our behalf, even more boldly, perhaps, on behalf of the entire Jewish nation. Because there's no such thing as one person doing something and the impact remaining local in that person's own life. But everything that we do in a way of holiness, every single step that we take, every little bit of yearning, every little bit of striving, every little bit of a Rutsun to be better, to be bigger, to live more deeply, changes the fabric of reality. And so the gratitude is very strong and powerful in my heart that you chose to join us here tonight and to honor us with your presence. And I want to, I want to express gratitude to Rabbi Stepsky and Netzah Yisrael for opening their home. And that's what it is it's a base Knesset, it's base Medrash, it's a home. To enable us to do this, I want to express gratitude to Rabbi Naftali Shif of Jewish Futures for inviting me to make that crazy decision to move to these shores, Baruch Hashem, of holy a holy Meshagaz. Not any more mishagaz that you've chosen to live here in the first place, but a Meshagaz. And Be'ez HaShem, we could be a little bit crazy together. Bring the world closer to redemption. So, I'm going to begin with a niggin. As you can hear, I really don't have any voice left. It's interesting. Our journey began last Wednesday night in Hale, South Manchester, and here we are in Hale Lane. So, we came full circle. And I checked the gematria of Hale is in Shaman. It's not.
2: <laughs>
1: it Maybe, actually, I don't know. I hope that you'll join me in this exercise to try to open our hearts, to try to feel, to feel, to live together. That's the greatest expression of gratitude of all. I'll down, not all the way. Just a little bit more, that's good, thank you. It's for these two incredible individuals sitting next to me. Rebdov Berkoon and Reb Moshe Gersht. Who came in Mesir's Nefesh from Yerushalayim to travel around and to speak to Yidden about Hashem. And about life. And about living consciously. And in a way, everything that we're attempting to do is bound up with this concept of Yerushalayim, Ir HaKoedash. Yerushalayim, really the holy city, right? Ir, city. HaKodesh, the holy city. But the truth is that Sadiqim say, that the word ear, while it means city, can actually also connect to the concept of his orerus, which means awakening, to wake up. Lina'er means to shake something awake. lina'er. And in that sense, Yerushalayim ear hakoydash doesn't simply mean Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, the holy city, but it's actually Yerushalayim the city that ir haqqaydesh, that awakens the holiness within us. Yerushalayim ir It's a city that when you go there, you feel a little bit elevated. You feel a little bit higher. There's a part of you that gets dusted off and that's brought to the fore, to the surface. Everything that we're trying to accomplish is to allow us to taste a little bit, even here, even now, a little bit of a taste of Eretz Yisrael, that spirit of Eretz Yisrael in the hope of awakening some part of us that maybe we, we gave up on, maybe we forgot about, or maybe we never even got in touch with in the first place. So B'Siyat I'd like to open just with a few short words to express what really E'lecha is, this organization that I have the privilege of being associated with. How many of you in the room have heard of Rabbi Nachman of Breslev? Hands up if you've heard. Okay. That itself is a miracle, you understand. So Rabbi Nachman of Breslev lived 280, 290 years ago, in a tiny small village in Ukraine, a few villages. At the max in his lifetime, at the peak, the last Rosh Hashanah of his life, he had 600 in there. That, in relation to other tzaddikim, is not even nothing. It's less than nothing. And that was after years and years of persecution that he went up against and had to deal with the marginalization, all the way leading up to the Holocaust. After the war, 90 percent of Breslover Hasidus was eradicated. 90 percent, from Poland, from Ukraine. And today, almost every group you speak to, any Jew that you meet, and you mention this name, it brings with it a storm of emotion. Do you ever notice? No Jew can remain unmoved when you mention that name, Rabbi Nachman of Bressos. Nobody just has no opinion. <laughs> it's it does something to you. It shakes you. Rabbi Nachman wanted it that way. He said so explicitly. One day, Rabbi Nachman of Bresla, was standing in his base medrash, which was on the second floor, overlooking the marketplace, overlooking the shuk. And he noticed as he was looking down, standing at this window, in what I assume is a very calm state, because that's how I imagine this sadik, very calm with Yishav das, settled mind. He was watching what was unfolding below, buying, selling, merchandise, moving things from one place to another, business meetings. And he noticed as he was looking down, he saw one of his chassidim was scurrying to and fro, totally wrapped up in his business dealings. This this student's name was Chaikon, this chassid. Knocked on the window. Somehow he got Chaikal to, to look up. And the Rebbe motioned him upstairs. Okay, if the Rebbe calls you upstairs, you know you have to go. So he quickly drops what he's doing. He excuses himself. And he comes into this avira, to this atmosphere of Rebbe Nachman's base medrash. And the Rebbe calls him over to the window. And he says, Chaikal, look down. Look down. What do you see? What do you see below? And Zechakel says, well, I see horses, I see cattle, I see different kinds of merchandise, I see people very busy buying and selling, commerce. He's describing the scene of the marketplace below. When he finished, Rabbi Nachman looked him in the eyes and he said, tell me, Chaikol, did you look up at the sky today? Did you look up at the sky today? And Chaikol stops for a minute and he reflects and he says, he says, no, I didn't. And the Rebbe said, I want you to listen to me very carefully, Chaikal. It's a very, very deep story. And it's such a privilege to share it with you. Thank you so much for coming, for being here. Ibn Nachman says, he says, Chaikal, I want you to listen very carefully. He says, in 50 years from now, there's going to be different horses down there, different people, different merchandise. You won't be here anymore, and I won't be here anymore. And you don't have time to look up at the sky. Now, it should be clear to you and me that Rabbi Nachman wasn't simply speaking about a physical sky. Because while important, that's not the ultimate message that Rabbi Nachman is trying to convey. That it's important for a time to stop and to look up at the sky. That's also true. And then Ayman the Melech says that one of the reasons we have many windows in a shul. It's because looking up at the sky awakens a certain clarity, a certain focus, a certain consciousness. You get shaken out of the noise. When you look up, you detach for a moment. You attach to something higher. But the truth is, there's a sky in everything. Meaning to say, in relation to the earthiness of things, in relation to all the noise of Olam every experience has the chalik of earth, the aspect of this worldliness, and the aspect of the sky that's just unaffected, that's calm. Where things just pass. And we're able to maintain a consciousness that life is fleeting and that the depth of life is experienced not in quantity, but in quality. There's a sky in everything. In the sky of things is the soul of things. It's the essence of things. It's the inwardness of things. It's the part of things that we're so busy with the externalities of living that very rarely do we get a chance to just stop and to really try to connect to the soul of this relationship, to the soul of this activity, of this conversation, of this tefillah, this mitzvah. You know, the soul has two purposes of, of the body. The soul has two primary purposes. The first is very obvious and clear, which would be, if somebody wants to take a stab at it, What's what does the soul do for the body? Keeps it alive, right? It's just a simple level. On the more obvious level, the soul brings life to the body, vitality, vibrancy, otherwise it's a corpse. And the soul is in the body, it's able to move, it's able to function. But the soul has another tafket, another purpose that's deeper. You need to look a little bit beyond to be able to identify this purpose of the soul, and that is the soul unifies. Because not too long after a body is lowered down into the grave, hopefully after 120 doesn't take very long for the body to begin to become disjointed. All of a sudden, the flesh rots away after some time. The bones begin to disjoint. And all of a sudden, we're not even sure what this thing is anymore after enough time passes. The body itself is a realm of fragmentation, essentially. These eyes have nothing really to do with these ears. This is a finger, and it's not a toe. And this nose has nothing to do with this mouth. The body is the seat of fragmentation. But when the soul infuses this thing we call a body, all of a sudden, like the mishkan of different parts, it becomes one, becomes a human being. And all of a sudden, that singular soul infuses all the different facets of this thing we call the body, and it's one, and it functions as one. We live in such a realm of fragmentation so much of the time. There's so many different things in life that are calling our attention. There's so many different things just in Yiddishkeit alone that we have to constantly be focused on and so many different halachas to learn and so many different mitzvahs that we're doing. And there's learning and there's davening. There's lighting Shabbos candles and there's Shabbos and there's this yomtiv and that yomtiv and this minog and that. And that's in the realm of Yiddishkeit which is supposed to be the realm of sky, the realm of spirituality, now sink down below into the realm of work and home. And all the different facets of our personality that we often perceive to be distant one from the other, disparate, disjointed. Wouldn't it be great if we could infuse our lives with soul, meaning to say, an element that would both enliven, bring us passion, feeling, warmth, vitality, and unify our lives in such a way that each and every moment joins hands with the other. And where at any given moment of time, we don't feel as if we're wasting time. We feel as if this is yet another way of expressing the ultimate purpose that binds all of life together. Wouldn't that, that be fantastic? Isn't that what we're looking for? It's certainly what I'm looking for. What is the soul? Where do we find it in Yiddishkeit? We need look no further than the structure of time. Because time too has a body and a soul like everything. The body of time is the six days of the week. What's the soul of time? The Shabbos. Shabbos is referred to in the Zohar Kaddish as the Yom Adin Shmasa. It's the day of the soul. About Shabbos, we say that Shabbos is Tachlis Maisei shamayim Vaaretz. Shabbos is the ultimate purpose of heaven and earth. Which means to say that the soul of a thing is the purpose of the thing. It's the why of the thing. And when we can identify a why, all of a sudden the what, where, how, and when of any given thing that we might be doing becomes infused with vibrancy and unity. Because that why, that purpose, that premise, that ultimate, ultimate objective suffuses and permeates every single facet of whatever it is that we may be doing with a singular light and a singular focus and a singular passion. The call of the hour after Baruch Hashem having such an incredible structure and framework of this thing we call more learning than ever before, more accessibility to learning. It's remarkable. We're living in the Dardaya, a generation of total, total access to learning and to davening and to mitzvahs. It's never been easier to be an Orthodox Jew. On any level, it's never been easier. The call of the hour is to make sure that we don't get lost in the Details of what, how, where, and when to the point that we take our eye off the ball of the why of the ultimate purpose of all of this, which is to forge a passionate, perceptible, deep, and conscious relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, with Hashem
0: to be
1: able to go through davening and not really have thought about or felt or sensed Hashem in that. That's a common experience, and it's okay. That's that's the generation we're living in. But imagine what that would be if we could engage in every aspect, not just of overtly spiritual experiences, but life itself, every breath that we take, every word that we say, every act that we accomplish, whether it's beruchmias or begashmias, Everywhere in life, this is yet another step closer. This is yet another bond that we're forging deeper with Hashem, with becoming aware of Him, with getting ourselves out of the way to make space for Him. Life becomes unified. There's no such thing as an in-between moment anymore. And life becomes filled with vibrancy, with vitality. One quick tip, but this will come to the end of this segment. To be able to start to anchor ourselves so deeply in the why that when we then come to performing all the other mitzvahs and all the other facets of what it is to be an Orthodox Jew, we maintain our awareness of that essential point is something that Rabbi Nachman revealed to the world, even though it's an old, old hanaga since Adam Rishan, and onward, that's called hispodidus, which literally translates as "being alone." But in Rabbi Nachman's conception, it means personal prayer, which means to speak to Hashem, not in the words of the sitter, either in the Hebrew or the English, but to speak to Hashem in your own words like you would to your very best friend. Open. There's a time when Hashem is your king. There's a time when Hashem is our father. There's a time when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is where HaKadosh Baruch is your best friend. And the time that we connect to that facet is in this avoda of Espodidas. Take five minutes, ten minutes a day. Lock it into your schedule. Keep your phone out of sight. And go somewhere where you can be alone, preferably in nature if you can. And just speak to Akkadish Varahu. Just open your heart. And speak to him, Ki'ilu, like your Mamish believed he existed, really. To the point that it's not crazy to you that you would be walking, talking, and there's nobody there listening. Because Mamish, you believe in that moment. Someone's listening and he cares about every detail, the smallest little thing that you think is below the dignity of God, you know, to, to take up his time with this small thing. No, there's no such thing. Shem has space for you. The moment that we begin to exercise this ability to speak to Hashem clearly and in our own words, of his spot to us, the moment that We then come to Mincha and realize that the same God that I speak to in Espodidas is the God that I'm davening to in the sitter. It's a different Mincha. It's a different Mincha. Because God is no longer a concept. God is mamish, a part of your life. You don't need to meditate on the oneness of God or you don't need to have some intellectual proof that God exists. He exists because I speak to him. He exists because I feel the echo of his response reverberating through my daily life. I have a relationship with Him. I rely on Him. And Muna is not just knowing that there's a God. And Muna is living every single moment with the realization that every breath that I take is being blown into me lovingly by the Creator and gifted to me so that I can open up my mind and see Hashem everywhere, see the sky and every earth. Be able to pause for long enough to realize that life is not what it seems, it's a facade. Go deep, go deeper. There's never been a generation like ours. The thirst is so great. Specifically because it seems as if we've quenched all religious thirst. How could you be thirsty anymore? Not a hunger for bread or for water. Jews are thirsty for God. How could you be thirsty? Everywhere you turn, there's a water cooler of spirituality wherever you look. Every house has a shas, Every, with Torah anytime, and meaningful minute, and, and, and shiurim, and, and shuls, and Pesach programs, and glossy magazines. How could you be thirsty? But somehow, somehow, with all the what, where, how, and when, Yidin are so thirsty for the why, to the point that Ur-Mosheh David the Talmud of the Ramchal says, on that Pasuk, Days are coming and there will not be a hunger for bread and there won't be a thirst for water, but the thirst will be to hear the voice of God. He says that bread and water there are not referring to physical pleasures, which is the way that we ordinarily translate the passage. They won't be any more hungry for bread or for water for gosh, means people are gonna to want to learn. That's what it simply means. He says, no. He says, at the end of time, days are coming where the thirst will be so great not for bread, which in Chazal can sometimes be a reference to the Torah. And not for water, which in Chazal in Mayim Elot Torah. If he didn't say this, I couldn't dare say it. Ramosha Davar Valley, it's my Furish. He says, the thirst won't be for Torah because you'll have it already. He says, the thirst will be Kim Lashmaya Hashem. I want a Torah where I can perceive Baruch Hu whispering to me through every Pasuk that I learn, through every Rashi that I learn, through every Gemara that I learn, through every Tefillah that I say, through every Mitzvah that I do. The Shmai L'tevar Hashem is what our generation is searching for. And we have the tools. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent us Sadiqim of Panemias, both from the Basmantrish of the Gra and the Basmantrish of the Vashem HaKadosh. Pick your weapon. As long as it's deep. As long as it's Torah that relates to the wine. It's never been more crucial to make a commitment on a daily level, on a weekly level, to have a sheer impenemius, to learn something that relates not just, I say just, I don't mean it, not relating to what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, but that addresses the why of Yiddishkeit. That gives you a feeling that there's a Hashem in the world that loves me, that's desperate for a relationship with me, And in so doing, we can begin to live a life where not only do we sometimes have time to look up at the sky, but we live constantly with our gaze on a higher reality, and from time to time, we look down at the earth. We walk the ground with our feet. We don't belong here. We're not here for long. We're here to transform. That's my bracha to you, and that's my bracha to me. And I don't say it, in a, in a way of like I'm preaching, like this is our struggle. This is something that I struggle with and it's something that I know that if I don't connect to this kind of Torah, I can't breathe. It's not much oxygen for me. They give us a bracha. We should be able to find saddikim that speak to the heart and Torah that speaks to the soul, that quenches that thirst. And when that thirst becomes quenched, it only grows stronger. We're lovesick for our Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's no deeper quenching than that to live a life of seeking, a life of searching, a life of going beyond the surface, a life of marching, alecha toward our Kurdish Baruch Hu's Thanks for listening and for being here. Okay, I wanna teach a song. We can have the reverb back again. Thank you. The song really just has one word. And the one word is ruach, which means spirit, soul. And when we sing it, slow, it's meditative, let's try to call out that place within us that's thirsty, that's yearning, that's striving, that wants something that's higher than just the earth. To call out the ruach from the world, to recognize Hashem's presence in this room now.
3: Well, that was so great <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you So we're talking about Kavana And Kavana Kavana comes from the word Kivun And Kivun means direction Direction What are you directed? Where are you going? Where are you moving? What are you doing in your life? And we're all running. We're running and we're achieving and we're accomplishing. But where is it taking us? Is everything that we're accomplishing taking us anywhere? We're achieving so much. So it says in the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi Nachman learned the Shochan Aruch. Did, yeah. Rabbi Nachman says you should learn the Shulchan Arach every day. So it says here: Tov me tachnunim bechavana. It's better to do less, but really mean it. With your heart, to be in it. Meharbat hagbat To the just say lots with no kavana. You know, we could just get through so much, we do so much, but we're not there. If you're not there, if you're not present, if you're not present, and we didn't get anywhere. Even though you got miles and miles, you traveled miles. You didn't go anywhere. I, oh, I actually just had a story. <laughs> Amazing story. There was a man, it happened three months ago. There was a man in New Jersey. Uh, I heard it from one of his Talmudim. There was a man in New Jersey, and it was Friday afternoon, and he was helping his wife get ready for Shabbos. And the kids, they were all helping to get ready for Shabbos. And often when the kids are helping to get ready for Shabbos, it's not helping. (laughs) So the wife said, you know how you can help me most? This happens a lot. Just take the kids, go and get out of here. That would be the best help you could give me for Shabbos. So the father said, "Okay, let's go, kids, what do you want to do? Let's do something. And they decided we want to go, let's go on a train. We're just going to train. And the father's thinking, what trains do we have nearby? And, and they weren't the richest family. So he decided, let's go to Newark airport. And they have a shuttle train. And the sh- it's a free shuttle train. And it just goes from terminal A to terminal B to terminal C to terminal B to terminal A. <laughs> so he's like, like, this is what we're going to do. Kids, let's go. So they get the kids in the car. And he goes and he parks at New York Airport and he gets in. And then they just go to A, B, C, up and down. They're just going up and they're loving it. The kids are loving it. And they're looking out the window and they're so excited. And the father's loving it, it didn't cost him anything. <laughs> 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 and then after about 20 minutes, uh, a very distinguished looking older gentleman walked on. Wearing a pilot's uniform. And he had his grey hair slicked back, and, his, and he was the pilot, and the kids got very excited. They were like, a oh, pilot! It's a pilot. And the pilot saw this, so he, he bent down and he said to the kids, Where are you going?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Everyone on that train is going somewhere, they're going traveling. And the kids looked at the pilot and he says, <laughs> I think A, B, C, I think we're in between B and C, <laughs> and, he, and he said to the father, you know, father, like, where, what are you doing? Where are you going? You're on holiday, you don't have any bags, what And the father was a bit embarrassed, but he just explained, he said, look, we're Jewish, and we have a holy day, we have Yom Adonishmata, we have the day of the soul, we have Shabbat, it's Shabbat tonight. And it's a very special day. We get together with our family and we turn all of our phones off and we turn everything over. No TVs, no phones. And we just spend time together and we share deep ideas about life and we're just present with each other. And the pilot looked at the father and said, I've got to tell you something. I'm very, very jealous. I'm very jealous of you. And the father says, why? And the pilot says, well, I'm, I'm... One of the greatest pilots, the most famous pilots in the world. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. I've been to Asia. I've been to South America. I've been to Europe. Stayed in five-star hotels. It's been every culture you can think of. Every museum in Paris. I've been everywhere. I've been all over the world. But the truth is, I was I was away from home a lot. So my wife <coughs> left me. It wasn't working from, for. So my shalom baya. I didn't say shalom baya, so. <laughs> And my son called me a couple of weeks ago, my 40-year-old son, and he said also he doesn't really want anything to do with me anymore. So the pilot looked at the father and he says, I'm, I'm very jealous of you because I go everywhere. I'm going everywhere. But I've got nothing. You... You're going nowhere, (laughs) but you've got everything. Where are you going? What are you doing? Where are we running to? What are we running to? So the the Mishnah Brewer says this. It says, you know, if you can do a lot, you do a lot. Do a little, you do a little. And it says here. You can do a little bit, and you can do a lot. Just make sure your direction is towards Shamaya. That's it. Whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. You know the whole of Shas, you don't know any of Shemaiah. And just make sure that you have your heart is directed towards something. What's it all for? As Rabbi Akov was saying, what's holding it all together? We, we speak about Hashem, but do we really have a relationship? Do we feel Hashem? Is Hashem something that's in our life? David, a Melech, says tamu u kitav Hashem. Tamu u kitav Hashem. That means taste and see that Hashem is good. So, when was the last time you tasted Hashem? Hashem's in the sushi.
2: <laughs>
3: sushi is kamapya Hashem. In, in Japanese.
2: <laughs> so what does it mean to taste something? What does it mean
3: to taste, what, do, what does taste mean? So can, can anyone tell me what, what does strawberries taste like? What does strawberries taste like? I actually asked this question the other day and there was a seven-year-old girl there. She looked at me and she said, strawberries.
4: <laughs>
3: That's the answer. That's the right, the adults were all like, well, sweet and a bit like this. You can talk about strawberries all day.
2: <laughs>
3: you can learn mesechtas <laughs> and the gematria of strawberry, and the, the and the bina and the das of the of strawberry. you don't bite into a strawberry, you don't t- you don't know what strawberry tastes like. Tamo urau <laughs> means you've got to taste Hashem. You've got to bite into Hashem. You have to experience Hashem. Don't talk about Hashem. You've got to feel, experience Hashem. So deep into this unbelievable Hasidic work here, Shochanerach, Tzadichet, Shochanerach, Tzadichet. These are the basic, the basic foundations of everything. Sarich ye lo kavana, betfilah. You have to have kavana when you're davening. You have to have kavana when you're davening. So what is kavana? It says here. When you're daven, you have to know what you're saying. <laughs> Unbelievable. When you're daven, you have to know what you're saying. Well, of course I know what I'm saying. <laughs> so I actually spoke in a shul about two years ago, Pesach after <laughs> Minchen on Pesach. And they got up and they introduced me, all the way from Jerusalem, and I said, who here had a moment of deep gratitude to Hashem for giving us the land of Israel today? And they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> they thought, I think they thought I just got the wrong festival. I thought they, I not they didn't. People look at me, they're not quite sure what they're getting. Anyway, they're, they're, what is that? Never seen one of those. So I was like, no, really, who has one moment of real gratitude that God gave us the land of Israel today? And they're like, no. And I said, okay, so who benched today? Anyone benched today? And was like, I benched blah, 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 blah. and benching... So do you know what the second bracha of benching is? <laughs> Did you have one moment? Did you even know what you were saying? Or oh, you didn't? You were just singing a song. <laughs> Whoa. Amazing. you got to know what you're saying. Just know what you're saying. The... Chazal gave us things to say. Do you say in the morning? When you wake up in the morning, Chazal had to think, how do we start our day? The beginning, the seed, the DNA of your whole day. We've got to decide what words are the first words that are going to come out. Hashem.
2: <laughs> Did you hear that as well? <laughs>
3: So, Chaza had to decide. You're going to wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you're going to say? Madayani. grateful. So, who woke up this morning and the first real conscious sensation they had was immense gratitude? Did you wake up this morning and you're just like? I found six of them. I woke up in a bed again. I wake up in a bed again. I'm going to have breakfast again. It's amazing. got a house again. Every day you should wake up again and be like, Really? I'm one of the most privileged people on the face of the planet again. Again. My dear honey, my dear it's a whole different class, but what's is, I acknowledge my ani. I acknowledge that there's a Ashama, there's a self. Just to have some self-worth. Wake up in the morning with gratitude, but wake up in the morning with some self-worth. Modeh I, I acknowledge myself. I'm trying, I'm trying. By the way, just that's enough. ani, lefanecha, you're done. <laughs> if you really said, it would be the best day of your life every day. The Chavitz Chaim came, I think it was him, came late to Davening, 45 minutes late to Davening one day. And afterwards they said to him, Why were you so late? And he said, Because I woke up and said, and I just couldn't move for 45 minutes. <laughs> I can do that Madani, <laughs> do, uh, do you feel le fanecha? Do we feel that we're in front of Hashem Who's keeping our heart beating at this moment God bless you And your whole family So that's the first thing You've got to know what you're saying Just say it I actually tell my students You should say like 50 times a day Every time you're not you Every time you realize you're not walking consciously with God consciousness, Das, Yeshiva Das, that Hashem's really there, it means you fell asleep. You're asleep, so you remember, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a God. You know what, if I had it my way, I'd have this whole system where I'd put a little sign on like every doorway, just to remind me that there's a God every time I walk through the, that, that doorway just a little thing on the door. Just to, every time I walked through it, it would be like, oh yeah. And also, before everything I ate, I'd make a, a words, very meaningful words. If I had my way, you
2: know. <laughs> I love have these
3: things. Mezuzahs and brachas are there for a reason. How many mezuzahs did you get today? How many mezuzahs did you walk past and you're like, oh yeah. Lefanecha. I'm actually developing a mezuzah thing where where it's got a little laser thing, and as you walk past it, it spritzes lavender (laughs) spray. Every mezuzah, I don't know why we do not Shabbos. You can get a Shabbos setting. You walk past the mezuzah, (coughs) (laughs) and then the yira setting is an electric shop. Oh, okay. So just know what you're saying. We started saying, Meshiva Ruach, um, You say that in England? You don't need to pray for rain. Meshiva Ruach, Meredi You blow the wind, and you bring down the rain. Rabbi Avigdor Miller, Avigdor Miller. Remember Avigdor Miller. Miller. He's Miller. He says, that a Jew should never say it's raining. You should never say It's raining. It's not raining. Hashem is bringing down the rain. It's rain. It's rain. You think it's just raining? Do you know what it took to bring down the rain? The system and the evaporation and the condensation and the. And why do we say mashiv ruach before merida Geshem? Because clouds form over the sea, because that's where the water comes up from. So first, in order to water the fields, he has to Mashiva ruach to bring the clouds to where it needs to be. So you should never say it's windy by the oh it's so windy today. Hi, how's England? Oh it was really windy. Don't say that, say. shouldn't blowing the wind. <laughs> Everyone will think you're crazy, but that's okay. <laughs> Hashem's
2: blowing
3: the wind. Hashem's blowing the wind. Hashem's bringing down the rain. Hashem's <coughs> doing everything. It's not just an idea, it's a real thing. How long do I have got this is amazing. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> no, I've got five more minutes. I'm going to finish now. ki ilu kenegdai. Big clash on the ki'ilu, Ba. You should... Yeah. <laughs> you should think that the, 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 the is really there. When you stepped into Mincha, I think many people have in Mincha today, did you step into Mincha and feel, My goodness, standing face to face with Hashem. Just take a minute, take a minute to breathe. And watch this. Let go of the thoughts. The thoughts, the thought. your mind. Our mind's running the whole time. In Mincha today, we're thinking about England, Senegal. What we think about in Mincha, our mind's just all over the place. So we just got to let go of that. How many days a year does the sun shine in? London, above London. 365 days is the answer, by the way. The sun's always shining. The sun's always shining. It's just about 359 days a year. <laughs> There's clouds in the way. <laughs> but behind the clouds, the sun's always shining. Your neshama is mamish, always shining. Your is always happy, and calm, and peaceful, and sweet, and loving, and compassionate. That's what your neshama is. You just got the cloud. You got the, the the clouds. Your mind is in the way. All you have to do is here. He says it. Yes. Learn to let go of those thoughts. Just let go of those thoughts. Let go. Let go of those thoughts and come back. Just come back. Very important. you got to that you're actually speaking to a real presence that's really actually there. So the Torah tells us over and over again that the whole purpose of life is something called Yira. Devarim 10.12 And now, Jewish people, what does Hashem want? Yira. Yira comes from the word Ro'eh. What Hashem wants, the whole purpose of creation, is that you should be God-conscious. That's Yira, the end of Koheles. Softava akol nishma, Yira, Yira, Yira. So how do we get Yira? So the Shulchan Aruch is telling us how to get Yira. Because we it's very hard to feel Hashem, because Hashem's infinite, timeless, spaceless reality. So it teaches us a very important lesson that you should imagine you're in front of someone a human being that gives you year, that gives you respect. So for me, Rab Berkowitz in Jerusalem, sometimes I have one on one meetings with Rab Berkowitz. And I'm, I'm waiting outside his office, I'm very excited. I'm very excited, but I'm also. And he opens the door, he's like, coming in, very sweet. I don't know if you know him, very sweet man. By I walk in there, year doesn't mean fear, I'm not afraid of him. <laughs> I'm not afraid of him. But I'm. There's some awe. There's awe, there's reverence, there's respect, but there's also immense excitement. That's what year it is. So the Shochan Arach is telling us that you can use this idea, it's called Kaahadimyan. Kaahadimyan is the power of imagination. And we can use our power of imagination to start feeling Hashem, to feel what it would be like if that person came in and then let go of the image of a human being, and just take that feeling, and aim soft it. Make it infinite. Take that feeling, make it infinite. There's so much more here, and so, so little time. Um, so little time, so much more. You know what? I'm going to do a little exercise now, if I may. And for some people this is going to be somewhat uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable. We're English, I'm English too, you know? But if it's really uncomfortable for you, it means you need to do it more than anyone else. (laughs) So what we're gonna do, don't do it yet, I'm just gonna tell you what we're gonna do to prepare you. We're gonna sit up straight and uncross our arms. Well, you know, let's do it now, come
2: Big risk this
3: point. I, was, I was going well till now <laughs> <laughs> ah,
2: we're
3: gonna try and do it i say you well i say you we say it three times a day via via you should have that. you should know today you should understand you've got to bring it into your heart so we got. i'm gonna try and do it i don't know if, if it will work but we're gonna try and as Rabbi Akil said we're gonna try and close our eyes and open our hearts. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna start breathing. said, just teach us that the deeper you go within yourself, the calmer it gets. Some people think deep people, that's very complex. The deeper you go within yourself, the calmer it gets. You get away from the crashing waves of your mind. <coughs> However crashing the waves of the sea is, if you go under the water, 10 meters is very calm there. It's very quiet, very peaceful. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sit up straight. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And Jakob's going to play some sweet major key music. And going to, what you're going to do is just start following your breath. Following your breath coming and going out. What's going to happen after about a quarter of a second, your mind's going to freak out. I, I, I hope no one sees me doing this. Oh, I'm a hippie. Is this really Judaism? Is it Buddhist? It's <laughs> You're going to have some again. By the way, just in case, just in case, the Gemari in Brachas says that the, the early pious ones would sit for an hour. They would sit for an hour before they prayed. What were they doing for that hour? The Rambam, a big Hasidic Rebbe. The Rambam says, to quieten their thoughts. So if the Rambam can say that, we're, we're all right in this basement, Cheshavit. So you're going to start breathing in and out, and it's going to be three minutes, maybe 30. <laughs> but number one rule, number one rule, I want you to try and enjoy it. It's not a competition. I want you to laugh at yourself, not out loud. You have, some people might laugh out loud, and that's okay. I want you to laugh at the fact that you can't do it very well. Don't get frustrated with yourself. Just be very gentle with yourself. Self-compassion. Okay? We're going to try and do this. So we're going to do... do. It's called hashkata. It's a Jewish meditation technique called hashkata, Where we're going to just focus on our breath. And try and go deeper into ourselves. That's it. Okay? Good? So put everything down. Nothing in your... You don't need anything in your hand. Ah, okay, and sit up straight. But yeah, no bags. Uncross your arms, uncross your legs. If you want to take your shoes off. Okay, So the first thing that Hashem says in my take your shoes off. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, let's go. Everyone sit up straight, and gently close your eyes. And I know you're going to want to peek to see if other people have got their eyes closed. And that's funny too. That's great. If there's one thing, just try and keep your eyes closed for three minutes. When was the last time you did this? This is an immense, immense opportunity to try something new and enjoy it, however good or bad you do. Okay, can we just take one very deep breath through out of your nose and then sigh out a little bit loudly? Okay, so just gently loosen your neck and your shoulders. sitting up straight, loosening your neck and your shoulders and if you feel you need to laugh that's okay because it can be a bit uncomfortable when you first do this. So whatever comes up just let it come up and watch it and go deeper into yourself. So start trying to breathe very deeply through your nose and filling up your lungs when you breathe out just try and let go of any tension any judgment just breathing and smiling also smile i'm trying to get into a bit of a rhythm breathing in If you want to count, you can breathe in, up to five, and then gently release. (sighs) Whenever your mind starts to wander, and run around, and jump around, don't get frustrated. Just very gently, and with a lot of self-compassion, bring all of your focus back to your breath, coming in, going out, breathing and smiling and just for one minute, I want you to start saying to yourself in your head, without forcing it, Just say, I'm going deeper into myself. Just repeat that phrase, and don't try and force it, and don't check to see if you are or not. Just say the phrase, breathing very deeply. I'm going deeper into myself. distractions, don't judge them, just let them wash over you, just 30 more seconds, I'm going deep into myself. last minute, I want you to see if you can start feeling the presence of the Shekhinah, of Hashem. If you need to use an image of someone that you would feel or you can use that image but then jump off it and just try and feel a loving divine energy surrounding you. Breathe and smile just for a few more seconds. white, light, divine, loving, calming energy. And for the last, for the last, last 30 seconds, just talk, say something, pray, open your heart, in your mind, or whisper. What do you want? Where are you going? What are you doing with your life? Who do you want to be? What's your Kavana? What's your Kivan? What we want to do is we want to try and take this into our our life. We want to live from a deeper, calmer place. Relate to other people, be more present with other people. It just takes a few breaths. Shokanara says, do a little bit, but just mean it.
2: i
1: talk, not just of the evening, but of five very incredible days. I think we had 14 events or so, which is why I sound the way that I sound. And Baruch Hashem, it's just been such an incredible journey. Let's do it again. Sometime, sometime soon. Amen. Wow, that
4: was amazing. So the night is young but the hour is late. England won, by the way. I don't mean the soccer team, I mean this room. I've been in England for the last five days. I found out that I'm handicapped. I'm American. There is nothing I can do about that. So please. Accept me for who I am, as I've learned to accept myself. <laughs> Another thing I learned about England very recently is that there are many different neighborhoods, lots of different communities, very beautiful people, very special people. And in some neighborhoods in this city, the doors don't have doorknobs. I don't know if you noticed that. There are areas where the doors don't have doorknobs. Here they do. I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking, you know, some areas, what's a doorknob? A doorknob helps you more easily get inside. So this seems to be an area where it's easier to get inside. (laughs) We can go deeper. It's a special place. Thank you, Rabbi Stavsky, for hosting this beautiful event. Bar HaShem. At home I have uh, several children who help us on Erev Shabbos. (laughs) I I take them to the park. (laughs) Not not to the train. Uh, And uh, my two oldest are are girls, and when they were young, they used to have a lot of sibling rivalry. uh, Healthy and happy. Uh, But one day I walked into the room, and the two of them were fighting about something. I don't exactly remember what, I do remember what they said, and my one daughter said to the other and said something to the effect of, "I hate you! I hate you! Why are you here? Why are you part of this family?" Which, by the way, as a parent, is like that's the worst thing. That's like the worst-case scenario. Like something very bad must have happened. And my younger daughter looked at her and said, "You know, you chose your family before you got here." (laughs) A very spiritual home. And my older daughter (laughs) said, I know I chose my family, but I didn't know you'd be here.
2: (laughs) That was a good moment.
4: (laughs) And I thought, wow, that is basically sums up all of our personal experience with Imuna. (laughs) I know it's all from Hashem, but not this traffic. (laughs) I know it's all from Hashem, but not that guy. (laughs) I know it's all from Hashem. This wasn't supposed to be part of the plan. And that is really where life happens. Life happens in that story that's unfolding in our lives. And we get the choice, moment by moment, what kind of attention with our intention shapes the experience of the life we have. And we have these thoughts that have resistance to life, and anything that goes against the way we think things ought to go, well, we don't like them, and we feel negatively about them. And that creates most of what we call our problems. If you have a problem, which, just to check, everyone has one, right? You brought one with you? <laughs> okay, some brought two. <laughs> now, if you didn't, if you don't have any, uh, we'll all sit over there and listen to you. Because <laughs> you should be giving the class. We all have these things in our lives that we call problems. And problems uh, aren't really what exists, It's situations that exist. And then our mind says, that's a problem. <laughs> this is a problem. This shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. And that... Thought, just the thought alone, this shouldn't be happening, is the thought right there that cuts us off from the experience of Hashem. Right there, it's just that thought. This shouldn't be happening. And now we we push against reality. And it's the most natural thought in the world. It's like we're supposed to have it. Because when things feel wrong or go wrong, so we think this shouldn't be happening. So what are we supposed to do about it? Because when you see something wrong, that's the thought. So on the one hand, we know we're supposed to have a muna. And we know we're supposed to. It's all good. Everything that Hashem does is for the best. But what am I supposed to do? I know I choose my family, but you weren't supposed to be here. So maybe just one thought, you know, before we go to sleep. There's... A word, a very common word, that we all see or think of every day, hopefully, um, but we never say. And Hashem. Instead, we say Hashem. But Hashem has a name, and that name is written in the Sederim. It's written in the Sfarim, and it says Yud K Vav K. We don't say it. It's holy, and it's sacred, and it stands on its own. But that name points to the secret of the universe, points to the secret of our lives. Well, probably, I mean, we could actually open up the Shulchan Aruch and, and do this, but I am sensitive to you, so we'll, we'll go quicker. Most people, when they think of the name yud key we think of what the Shulchan Aruch says, that it says, which means past, present, and future. Right? Heard this before? I was with a, a Jew two weeks ago in Los Angeles, and he had stumbled into the shear that I was giving, and he, he heard me say that, and he said, I've been a Jew for 68 years, and I never heard that. I was like, Baruch Not 69? You <laughs> got it now. So that's classically how we, what we think about when we think of the, the name of Hashem. Uh, but the Leshem who was one of the biggest Mekubalim of the 19th century, so he says that the definition, if you were to look at what the name itself means, he says the Yud in the beginning of the name means tamid, always, right? Sometimes Yud can mean future tense, but there are times in Tanakh where when it can't mean future tense, it means the tense of the hemshech, the continuation, the tamid, the timidi, the always. And then what's left is the hey vav, and the hey, And the he vav, he spells hove, And hove means present, means now, means here, which, if English people can do math, which I know they can, that means that the name of Hashem means the always now the forever present, the always here. That's what it means. There's a famous story from the Kotzke Rebbe, where somebody said, Rebbe, where's Hashem? And the Rebbe said? Wherever you let him in. Wherever you let him in. So what does that mean, wherever you let him in? It's mysterious, because, you know, Bear's trying to eat Hashem about two minutes ago. (laughs) Where, Where is Hashem? so here's the the wild and unbelievable thing is you can ask yourself well what am I seeing right now what am I hearing right now what am I feeling right now what's happening right now and if you can just remove the block that says this shouldn't be and you let that come at you just with a little bit of embrace to accept reality as it is That that is Hashem, speaking to you, I was once giving a she'er, um, like a series uh, for a group for about a week, and at the end of the week, uh, there was a, a madrig from the trip who came to me and he said, you know what's really hard for me about tefillah, what I re- it really bothers me about davening, is that I pray to God every day, and God never talks back. And I felt, I understood him in that moment, and I felt a lot of pain in that moment, because I... Only know a world where God is always talking back, because life is the conversation. That's what that's what it is. Life is a conversation with Hashem. It is the ever-present, ongoing conversation, and it's not. The, we we think that what you think I was going to send you an email, a text message. God's on WhatsApp. This is it. This is. The experience, and yes, yeah, sometimes there's more clarity, and sometimes it, you, you feel it in your heart, and sometimes it's a clear insight in your mind, and sometimes it's incredible hashkacha practice, and sometimes it's not, and it was still Hashem. But it's also there. When we say gamzu tova one of the pshatim in that pasuk, pasuk, line from Nachal Nish Gamzu, is when we say this is also for the good, the also isn't going on what's happening that even though it looks bad it's really for the good but that even though it feels bad and and it's supposed to feel bad just know that it's also good meaning it's not coming to say don't feel your feelings don't experience the world as it's happening to you okay when things go wrong you feel that too but have a just the smallest of a space just a, it's a, just a little bit of openness to say, okay, on some level, this this fits somewhere. It's also good. It's also bad. It hurts. You know, there was a, an event tonight for Diane, Aaron, Troy, not far from here. I'm sure there were many. I just I know of one. Right when you you lose something special, you're supposed to feel that you lost something special. That's real. It's part of this world. The Baal Shem Tov said. If you want to live a beautiful life, there's a line that we can plaster in the back of our minds. He says, if we only would know, he says, every person has to know, to bring it into his consciousness, to be aware of, Here's, I'll say it in the Hebrew, and I'll translate it, I only have one moment in this world, and that moment is right now only have one moment in this world. I was going to come in here tonight and say, look, I've got good news and bad news. There's The, the bad news is this is the last moment of your life. Uh, the good news is it's the first moment of your life. And that's true every moment of your life. Because every moment, that chachas that newness, this is what's happening. This is really the whole world is happening in every single moment. And the Nefesh says that the, the world is truly being recreated every moment. It's not just a nice pshat. It's really, really new. A trippy thought just to think about for a moment. I know the hour's late. But imagine if I told you, imagine just for a moment if I told you that really all your memories of the past are an implant and you are actually created in the middle of this conversation of some weird American speaking on this panel up here. And your whole life didn't really happen. This, it started right now. and Everything in your mind is, was, was implanted there so that you could understand the sentences that I'm saying right now. And all your fears of the future, they were also put there. And by the way, they'll only be here for another 60 seconds. And then you're going back to reality, but we just had to hide that. Right? So the weird thing is that's true. That, that's the, the weird part. Is that every moment is new. It's mamish new. And your whole past and everything that we hold we hold this bag full of our past and we carry it with us and the truth is, it's all up here. It's all up here. Because you get a new moment every moment. And that new moment is the real moment. And the new moment that's where Hashem is. That's what Hashem is. And that's where you are. And that's where you and the Kaddish Baruch every moment. So the bracha they give to all of us is that wherever we are, whenever we are, we can be awake to the truth of who we are and what life is. And even though it feels like, Hashem, I knew the family I was supposed to have, but this wasn't supposed to be there, to to create a little bit of space, just a a drop of space to be open to the fact that whatever is happening to me, that's also part of the conversation. And not to mistake the commas of Hashem for periods. Hashem's not finished speaking yet. We should be Amen,
1: okay, we're gonna wrap up. I just, I just first of all, again, want to express our gratitude to these two amazing people and to all of these amazing people for converging in this place at this time with the invitation of Rebstebsky and making all this possible this incredible Kihila. Total, total, total gratitude. mamish gratitude. This is what we need. This kind of Torah is what we need and our shamas are yearning for. What a privilege to share it together. In front of you or under you, if you happen to have sat on it, or if you if you are holding it, you'll find a brochure about Ilacha, the organization that we started pretty much around three months ago, the Seatr and you'll find if you are on WhatsApp and you're interested in staying connected with content and updates and events and different things, there's a QR code that you can scan. On the back of it, you'll find information to stay connected to our Dov to our Moshe, YouTube channels, Svarim, that are for sale as well, outside on the table. And um, we should just be zaychat to hold on to it and take it with us and march out into the dark night with a tremendous light that we kindled tonight, the So let's just dance a little bit and... We'll dance away Night
2: Away.